I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the show. This is, of course, David Scales for the Surf Splendor Network. And today I'm bringing you an episode of Shaping Surfing with surfboard shaper John Pizel. John Pizel is um, best known for shaping surfboards for current world champ, John John Florence. They've had a lifelong relationship, and John kind of details that in this conversation. But we also get to hear about John's origin story, which is a story that I actually haven't really heard um, told in American surf media anyways. It might have been, and I just overlooked it, but it was all news to me. And as I kind of researched him on the internet prior to this um, this conversation, I couldn't find a lot about John himself. So we get into a lot of that. We get into um, his relationship with John, of course, and then also where Pizel sees surfboard design going and surfing going as we move forward. Uh, we recorded this conversation in Oceanside, California during the Hurley Lowers Pro, one of the lay days of that event. So that gives you a time stamp and reference for this conversation. And then um, before I get into that, though, I will just say everything that we discussed, the videos, John John's turns at Margaret River, all that sort of stuff is all available on surfsplendorpodcast.com. I'll also have links over to John Pizel's uh, website where you can check out some of his work. And then, of course, I'll post all of it on social media at Surf Splendor. So follow along there. I always ask for your support. And really, the best way for you to do that is just to share this show with friends. I'll keep producing this content. But guys like John Pizel won't be interested in coming if our influence is small. So the more people you can share this show with, help this show grow, the more likely we'll be able to continue attracting great guests like John. All right. So thank you for doing that. I mentioned that we had this conversation during the Hurley Lowers Pro. Um, I pushed record midway into kind of a conversation that we were having about Michel Berez's round two loss at Lowers, despite him doing some of the best turns of the entire event. So that's where John and I pick up. I hope that you enjoy the show. I'll be back at the end to sign us off. Thanks. crazy how good he's surfing like yeah. a couple of those turns are just so next level yeah um his one turn in that second wave i think it was was pretty net it's insane that he that he doesn't make it through heats with stuff like that i know it frustrates me a lot it's like he um i don't know i don't know what it is exactly but it's like 
he just seems to have things go the wrong way a lot. Totally. Even despite ripping, you know, like, and it's funny because he's so like he's kind of overlooked a little bit, I think, because yeah. my my theory on him is like he just disappears back to Tahiti as soon as his heat's over. As soon as he loses, he's like back to paradise. Like I'm going to surf perfect waves and hang out with my beautiful family, and yeah, you know, I mean, I would too. Totally. <laughs> so he's so he kind of disappears under the radar that way. You know, people don't think he's a top ten surfer. I know. So that is... Most people probably wouldn't name him as the like, no. who's in the top you know, 12 or whatever, 10, and it wouldn't be Michelle Brez, and no, it usually is. No, but that's my criticism of the WSL at large, and either the venues they run at or the judging system, maybe, yeah. which is um, it doesn't highlight guys like that. What it ends up highlighting is guys who have a fiery determination to win, yeah. right? So you look at Brazil, and you look at Adriano... And sure. those are the guys that consistently make heats and actually end up winning world titles. Right. But then I don't really want to watch that type of surfing, of course. When you see Michel do what he does, you go, oh, that's the type of surfing yeah. that I want to yeah. see. You take so, one wave of Michelle's and you're just like, holy crap, Like that's incredible. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's powerful. It's beautiful. It's, everyone wants to be able to surf like that. But he, it's, it's definitely funny. It doesn't always work in his favor. No, he doesn't have... The drive and deter- steely determination. Yeah, he's pretty much like, yeah, bro, I just love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> he's like the nicest guy ever. Which is what happens when yeah. you grow up in paradise, yeah, maybe. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or he's not that sad when he loses his heat. And I mean, obviously, he wants to do well, but I don't think he's not like, you know, he's not going home to like some bummer. He's going home to like a better place. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine because of your relationship with John John, you probably watch all the WSL heats. Or do I watch a lot. I usually tend to go back and watch them. I won't sit there and okay. like go through them, depending on what I'm doing. I don't really um, like if I'm shaping. I'll put them on my phone and just kind of listen. It'll be on a speaker in my room or something. And I'll listen and and then like oh you know I hear it's, someone's getting a wave. I'll watch that or whatever. Yeah. But usually I just kind of go back and pick through it and pick the heats that I'm interested in seeing and like how different guys did and um, watch a few waves. I like to watch. I like that um, the heat analyzer. Yeah, that's. Super I usually helpful. go if I'm at an event. I'll usually like like yesterday. I was down there and watched John's heat, and then like last night, I came home and I watched his heat again on the heat analyzer because you hear a lot of different things and you pick up on stuff. And then there's the replays. It's actually it's actually better online than it is live, kind of. I agree. But um, so you can just they're breaking things down and you're looking at things and seeing things in slow motion and just kind of listening to kind of the feedback and stuff. Right, it's, it's always like you can learn from that. I think sure, and, and he does the same stuff. You know, does he'll he? do the same thing. And watch that. Maybe not the whole heat, but like his waves, and you know. Yeah, um, I've got our conversation kind of broken into a couple of different um, categories: backstory, board design. Can't have a discussion with you without really discussing John John, mm-hmm. and I mean it's kind of a perfect situation not to marginalize your own ability and talent, but it's kind of the perfect situation for you to be able to link up with such a prodigy at such a young age. Yeah, can you kind unique. can you kind of explain to listeners just what that story was, how you connected originally and the relationship yeah, it's, developed? It's, sure. Yeah, it's it's pretty simple. It's um basically I moved I I grew up in Santa Barbara in right. California and when I was in my early twenties I moved to the North Shore just because Santa Barbara is great, like Rincon, everything there, like the waves are incredible, like one month out of the year. Right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to surf more than I was surfing and had spent a lot of time in Hawaii already. 
And so I just decided to move over there one year and just see how it all went. And so living there, I just basically the first year I was there, I just surfed a lot and had like little restaurant jobs and stuff. And then I started breaking boards and needed to fix my boards. I could, or I, I didn't have any money, right? I was just surfing, like just bare. I moved there with a thousand bucks in my pocket, seven Hamish Graham brand new boards, and that's it. And a duffel bag full of clothes. Um, Rip Curl sponsored me at the time. I had some, you know, that was it. Not with money, just like here's some clothes and some stickers. Right. You know? um, anyway, so I just I I started breaking boards or digging boards, and I needed to fix them myself because I couldn't pay someone else to do it. And so I went ended up going to Country Surfboards, which was right across the street from Sunset Beach. Like you just go up a driveway, like literally in the parking lot at Sunset, you just walk across the street up a driveway, and this guy Ed Surfoss had a business there where they had a glass shop and there was shaping rooms uh, and scattered in different parts. It was like an acre property with just like shacks on it with like a nice mansion next door. Okay. This, this really nice family lived next door. They're always like looking you know, over their backyard like, oh, crap, you know. <laughs> but Ed was, um, Ed was just such a good guy, and he kind of had been through years of, of building surfboards there. He, was, um, had all, he, he knew everybody. Everybody knew Ed. But he let me, so I'd go there and buy, re- I'm like, hey, can I fix my board? You know, like I'll pay for the resin or whatever. He's like, okay, give me 10 bucks and you can do this or whatever. And so I was fixing, and then I'd like break a board even and fix. I knew how to fix boards. I'd been working on boards since I was a kid. And, um, and then finally he's like, hey, why don't you fix this other guy's board too while you're here? <laughs> you know, basically he's like, you're going to do this already. Yeah. You're sitting around here like you're doing a pretty decent job. Like fix this one, I'll pay you. And so I just slowly started doing dings for him, basically. And um, it was pretty classic. It was just like I started making money doing that. Hmm. And um, slowly he kind of brought me in. And eventually I ended up basically finning and hot. This was before FCS plugs. Either, sure. you know. And so I, I learned how to fin boards. You, when you fix dings, you kind of do everything. You're glassing and sanding. And, you know, it's kind of like the whole, it's almost like the whole process of making a board except shaping. And um, so I just, anyways... Long story short, I was fixing dings at Ed's, started glassing there, and then one day I, I decided I'd always been interested in shaping, so I finally just bought a blank. Like I'd been, I'd been watching my boards be shaped my whole life. I was always interested in like the idea of it, and so finally I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna buy a blank. Ed had a shaping room I could use. This guy um, James Turnbull, who's passed away since then, but he he let me use his room, and um, I shaped my first board. And it was okay. It worked. I glassed it, sanded it, airbrushed it. I did the whole thing. Wow. And, um, and it was all right. Like, I sold it to someone eventually. Wow. But so I started shaping. And then event, after however long, I don't know how long it was, but one day, Alex Florence walked up with her three kids. One was five, one was three, and one was one. Two, probably Ivan, the youngest one, was in diapers, I don't think. Nathan probably wasn't. But... Um, and asked me to make her kid a board. And I, I, it's so funny that I haven't even, I, I always forget about it when I'm around her, but like, I don't even know why she came to me. Yeah. And, um, and then looking back on the whole thing, I, I've, I, um, my kid the other day, she moved into this office that we have and moved a bunch of our stuff and found like old boxes of stuff. And one of the things she found was this, like a notebook. I wrote down every board I had shaped when I was younger, you know, as I was going through this. And she's like, ah, that it said the first board you shaped for John on this four six for John John, it was my hundred and fifth board I ever shaped in my life. Wow! So like that's how 
beginner I was at that sure. point. You know what I mean? And um, so it was it was it was trippy. You know, it was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a long time ago. And then and you and Alex probably hit it off because John was so young. You didn't have a relationship with him necessarily. Yeah, it at the was time. more like I was friends with her, my wife. Um, actually, we weren't even married at the time, but um, we, you know, I just, I didn't really become like close friends with Alex right away. We just kind of like, I helped make her kid a board. We knew each other. We see each other, you know, everywhere. And um, it's a small town. The North Shore is like a yeah. little small town, like anywhere, except there's good waves. So yeah, I just it just slowly developed. I made him a board, and I didn't. I think I charged her two hundred bucks, you know, or something to like cover my my end of it. I didn't make any money making it but yeah. I, I glassed it I shaped it airbrushed it glassed it the whole deal you know and I actually still have that board it's pretty cool oh my gosh it's John's but I have sure. it in my shop sure but um so from that I just I she just came back and like hey can you make him you, you know and it was like we were surfing together I'd see him surfing and help him catch waves and um and then I just after a couple boards I realized like I think this kid's kind of special at the time especially it was like um little kids that age it's super common now like guys are riding little tiny boards that are made for them and stuff but this was in 1997 and like kids weren't riding boards made for them really they were like riding their big brother's board or whatever you know and so he to me it was like this kid was kind of groundbreaking in that sense and like mm. the waves he was riding and how what he was doing at that age was pretty crazy so I just started making them boards for free, and it's been the same deal ever since. Yeah, and the way that I remember or that I've heard the stories is it's Alex was struggling to make ends meet on her own, so it's not as if she could really afford to load her kids with new boards no, and all that sort of stuff. not at all. Not at all. It wasn't like that. Um, she was definitely like, you know, it wasn't, he wasn't some star surfer. There wasn't money for kids. It's not like right. today where, you know, some nine-year-old gets a paycheck. Right. And, um, and at the same time I wasn't I didn't have any money either, you yeah. know what I mean like and so for me it was kind of a, it was like I was I was it was a, it was definitely like a it was a commitment on my part of um, hey I'm gonna support this situation and see what happens you know and like I'm gonna I'm gonna spend my money on this and, and it's worth it for me I felt like and just uh, not just on like I wasn't like thinking like big business down the road and, and it was more like on a personal level and but I knew like, hey, this kid's special for sure, you know? And there's no way you could have anticipated big business the way it is no, now. I know, back then, I wouldn't it's call what I have big business anyways. It's still okay. a small business. But, um, but yeah, no, I couldn't. I But I, I did have, eventually, when he got a little bit older, I did kind of, I, I don't, I've told this to people, I feel like I did have a vision of like, you could see that he was going to do what he's doing right now. I thought. Did you? Yeah. Maybe not quite so radically as like, maybe I underestimated how good he was going to do a little bit in my head, but I pretty much saw, like, I felt like this kid's going to be the world champ and do this. Like, wow. He was pretty special. He still um, is. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot more I want to discuss about that, but let me go back a little bit. Sure. I assumed you were shaping boards in Santa Barbara before no, you moved because I, I haven't really seen your backstory anywhere. I don't know that anybody's fully like covered it. it Apparently. I did a lot of jail time. No, <laughs> no um, it's looking. super simple. I mean, that was it really. It's like I, I was in Santa Barbara. I, the, my roots come from like Matt Moore, who's a, a shaper at Rincon yeah. uh, in Santa Barbara and Carpinteria. And he, when I was a kid, he, I bought, I got my first board from him when I was 13 
Um, my dad took me down to his house. My dad doesn't surf. Like, I'm the first person in my family to surf. It's kind of funny. Um, my dad's a sailor. I've been on the ocean a lot. But um, but he took me to Matt's house. His shaping room was in his garage at his mom's house in Carpinteria at the time. He had a surf shop, or he kind of had some stuff going. But um, shaped me my first board in eighth grade, my first new board, you know, custom board. And, um, and then made every board for me for the next five or six years okay. in Santa Barbara. And I watched him shape every single one of those boards. Like I was in his shaping room with every one of those. I never got a board like, oh, just make me a board. I was always real interested. And he, he, we're still really close friends. Like he's one of my favorite people. I love the guy. Mm-hmm. I just was at his surprise 65th birthday party two weeks ago in Santa Barbara. Awesome. Um, but he always gave me, he just like, hey, he'd explain stuff. I mean, I was templating my own boards. Like he, he would say like, he'd mark out the line and then go, here, take this template and draw this line and do that. You know, I, I wasn't shaping at all, but he always explained things to me. And he was, he was um, you know, he was always in the shadow of Al Merrick at the time, just because Al had this bigger team. It was just a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a really talented guy the best he was the top guy at Rincon like he surfing wise like he was the boss at Rincon like there was no one above him like that was Matt was the guy Um, and he was just really cool he would pick us up take us to contests like we were his Grom team me and a couple of my friends and um, and he even tells me today like like he's like you know you were like one of my best team riders because you would bring me someone to order a board at full price every single week. You know, he's like, you brought me so much business. Just like bringing a friend over that wanted a board or whatever. And I didn't even like really realize that stuff at the time. But, um, well, even as you explain giving boards to John as a young kid, I wonder, I question the equitability of even having a team of writers, especially as a smaller volume shaper. Does it make sense? I was a team writer when I started making these boards. It was just like a kid. I was, you know, like he, he, I don't even know how to explain it. You just want to support the local kid. Well, I was just stoked. And it was, for me, it was like a cool thing. Like, I was so new to shaping that it was like, oh, cool. This guy, she wants me to make a board for a kid. And like, I had to figure out like a template for that board. You know what I mean? Like, and I'd never shaped a four, six, first of all. And that was like, and I I have that board. Like I said, I look at it. I'm just like, this thing was hideous, but it worked. Hmm. And it made, you know, it was, and you had to hand shape out of like a five, nine blank. Like it was, it's really hard. It was tricky. Um, and I did an all right job, but it, I, I know I wouldn't, it's pretty, uh, yeah. pretty, pretty rough compared to something modern surfboards. But, um, but no, it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't looking at like some investment in my future okay. when I did that. It was just like whatever it was, you know, mm-hmm. it was just, those kids became my friends and my family, they're like family to me, you know I mean? Yeah. The whole family is. So looking at that though, like having a team Obviously, Channel Islands, using that as a reference point, was able to have like a very diverse team of different styles of surfers. Sure. I feel like Paisel as a brand is almost – John John is almost synonymous with Paisel and vice versa, yeah. which I could see as being um, – the best like the best thing and the worst thing in sure. a sense you know yeah, how cool. how has that been managing that and is has it obviously it's helped the brand in a lot of ways but in what sure. ways has it hindered the brand do you think um i don't i don't know that it's hindered anything except i i can I, there's not like a lot of negatives to it at all really um he's like the cornerstone of our company really like like that's he he's like my ambassador of my boards you know he's the kid that has been around the world with my boards for years and years and and we've had we've traveled around the world in different places and done all kinds of stuff but um 
as far as it's it's I mean who wouldn't want that guy riding your boards right of course so, yeah. so I guess the negative the only negative would be like the competition coming after him and I've dealt with that essentially our whole entire especially when I was way like a tiny tiny business or not even really a business and like kind of just getting pushed around by bigger companies like oh we're going to do this or whatever and it's happened quite a lot and um, and I think I think the thing with him is that he's A he's a really loyal person and um, B he I've given him surfboards at work and that's the bottom line. Like, if he wasn't succeeding, and I've told him, like, hey, if you don't, if this doesn't work for you, don't, I don't want to be the guy. Like, you don't owe me anything. I don't want to be the guy holding you back if what I'm making you isn't letting you achieve what you want to do, yeah. surfing wise, you know. And so, I think I've done an all right job with that, hmm. and I'm tried really hard, and I work at it really hard every day. Like, I've been here shaping boards every day. And make, getting rush glass jobs, and you know, doing stuff on a real personal level, like, hey, get the, here, I need these done. Here's an extra, you know, here's some beers for the glassers and some extra money or whatever it takes. Um, it's a little different than like a lot of the bigger brands where there's like, here's 50 boards. Hope they, you know, like, yeah. I work on a different kind of situation. It's a lot closer relationship, and like, I try to make it so that we're more effective with what we're doing, and um, not wasting time and, and resources to get to where you want to be. Yeah. I don't have an extra million dollars in the bank to just be like, boom, whatever you need. Let's just make a hundred of these and see how they go. And he's not the kind of person that wants that. So we're more like refined in our relationship, which allows it to work better. I think in a lot of senses and, and for on, on his end, like he's getting a lot of one-on-one for me. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not, I'm not spread out. Like I'm going to go, I'm worried about these 20 guys for this contest or, or even five guys. Yeah. Like that takes a lot. It takes a totally. lot to take care of a, a real pro surfer that's um, changing things and, you know, not just like spitting out the same thing over and over again and adapting to what they want and how they're surfing and, and how much they weigh and just all yeah. these changing things, you know? Um, so I, I think, I think we work really well together, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously working. I, I see tremendous value in that personal relationship, of course. Yeah. I also, though, see value with the opposite, which is... More allow- diversified. Yeah, letting a surfer sure. ride a bunch of different equipment. Absolutely. Like, does he ride well, anybody else's boards ever? Oh, he does, yeah. He oh, okay. different boards. But, I mean, not that often because he's... what He's different than most guys, you know? He's... Um, I don't know how to explain it. He's gone through times where he's ridden other boards, for sure. He's not like getting boards on a regular basis yeah. and trying boards by a long shot. Um, it's here and there, and it's kind of hasn't happened in a long time, actually. Yeah. But if you see, I, I think basically what it comes down to is like, what are you getting out of your boards? Are you feeling like you're missing something? And even this year, at the beginning of the season, we went, we kind of like regrouped and had that conversation like, hey, what where can you get better? And one of the things was with boards, what can, what can we do to, to improve your low end performance? Like your low, the low, wave wise, like shitty waves. What can we do to make you surf better on a waist high left, which is maybe one out of a million waves he's going to ride. You know what I mean? It's not Sakurama this right? year though. Yeah. So, so that's what we looked at and we worked on those situations specifically. And Ross, Ross Williams brought up that, you know, he's like, Hey, he, he came into the picture and said like, hey, let's just look because John really likes to. He's like he's like a lifelong learner kind of person. 
he just is always wants to know more and figure out a better way or a different thing. He's not like he's very um, he's just progressively he wants to keep moving forward, you know. And so that is a challenge to me too. But mm-hmm. as a shaper, like that's what you want too. Like I don't want to just be like, oh yeah, he just said that one's great. I'll keep writing like that. He did that for a long time where he'd just be like one, basically like one board, in all conditions. And now he's changed that around a lot more, mm-hmm. which was for me was a welcome thing. Yeah, it just like it's a little stressful. Like you're all okay. Can I? Can I? Am I going to like rise to the occasion and these are going to work or what? You know. But but so far it's gone well. And it's so, fun. Um, with that specific example, let's figure out how to improve what you're doing on crappy waist high lefts. What was the answer to that question? Well, not ride the board that works great and you know double overhead right. That's <laughs> <laughs> the number one. Which is answer. what he's doing Change previously. Some rocker, you know. I'd always like, hey, try this board or do that, you know. And, and um, he was more like he just kind of wanted to like make what he had work in a lot of conditions, and he was just real comfortable on that. And they were like under volume. It was. It was like add some volume, change some rockers, change some, you know, it just, it, I mean, you know what the difference is between a good wave board and a shitty wave board, basically. Sure. And um, just figure out what you're comfortable on and what we can do and, and what that formula is, you know? Yeah, it's funny talking about him making that transition from riding, riding one board. I actually had that in my notes, which was he seems like the guy who rides something at pipe, the same, like a 6'1 or something at huge pipe. Yeah. And then he's riding it at the beach break doing huge airs on it. Yeah. And I, I actually didn't know that he'd adjusted away from that. And I was just wondering. I started questioning my own choices in my quiver where I'm like, maybe I'm just complicated thing, complicating well, sometimes things. sometimes people do overdo it. You know? Yeah. Like, do you really need three entire different boards for every time? You know, like, it's like... For I the need, same beach, but just waist, slightly different the conditions. The high board and the shoulder high board and the head high board. Like, yeah. I don't think that's really quite the case. Or And also, there's so many variables happening at all times when you're riding a wave that I'm starting to wonder if instead of designing for those variables, maybe simple simplicity is better maybe yeah. just like well, breaking it all down to the simplest form my um i would say that my my design theories even though i don't really have like a formulated theory or or philosophy but it definitely when you look at the boards i make simplicity is one of the things they're not like overly done you know what i mean they're they're pretty um they're not like crazy rocker or crazy concaves or or weird outline like they're clean they're i try to keep things pretty simple is good i think in a lot of senses and then when you then you can do these little bit but i'm not like overly conservative either i'm not like oh you know i I don't know how to explain what i'm saying exactly but but i don't like to go too nuts yeah i've seen that in your boards they look pretty um if if a board looks good sometimes it seems like to me it works good like not always but like it's you start off with the board look if a board looks terrible yeah that's a bad start sure you know like you're all oh what's that weird bump and this and that or like this feels funky or i don't know if you pick up you know when you pick up a board you're like oh this thing's gonna go good like usually it does Mm -hmm. not always but like you can get a if you can surf you can kind of have a feel of a board like oh this thing feels like it's gonna be pretty sick where do you see the biggest um, potential for design improvements in surfboard design in general? I don't know if there's... I don't, I don't know how to answer that exactly, but um, I just think every shaper has their own limitations or expertise in certain areas, you know? And, um, like, on a personal level, I just feel like I can always grow in the smaller wave design. Like, oh, okay. that's stuff where, to me, that's where I'm, like, focusing the most almost. 
in a sense. It sounds weird, like living in Hawaii or whatever. But to me, like making a making bigger wave boards is pretty easy. Is it? it just it just doesn't. They just make sense to me, and it's like you have every all the ingredients are already there. You just have to like kind of like um, as far as like speed and power and all that stuff. You just have to be able to like harness it and and control it and make it function well which is a lot easier than making something go fast in shitty waves hmm. and turn still it's easy to make a board that goes fast in shitty waves yeah but to make a board that goes fast and responds and feels you know lively and good is um is a challenge i think in really bad i'm talking like really terrible waves. sure i see i was thinking in large waves you can do everything that you just said but guys are just catching the wave and going straight. I think there's room somewhere on the horizon for guys like Albie Layer at Jaws to be taking off under the ledge oh, and yeah. trying to turn the board. Kai Lenny doing that air. Yeah. Like it seems like there's room for design improvement in big wave boards that'll allow you to catch waves and still maneuver once you're That's, on the wave. I, I mean I have a not I mean I the boards the boards I'm making for the guys like serving Jaws and the bay and stuff like that have proven to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, like, they, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Like, uh, do turns I, and stuff. Not necessarily. Like, most guys want to get barreled. Really, that's kind of where it's at with big waves. They don't really want to do like a big cutback. Like, no, and they're not going to do a snap. You're just never going to go on like a twelve or a thirty foot face and do like a big. Oh, I went up vert and through tail. Like, you're not going to do that. Yeah. On a on a ten six. So what they want is a board that's going to knife, take off, get you in easy. Or late and make it, and then knife up under the lip. Basically, is their big thing. That's the mo- that's the number one performance thing I would say in big waves. So, what it's are the design the implements to help improve that? Um, there's just you know, it's I think it's all it comes down to like it's all based on rocker basically, and then um, thickness flow is really important in a board where you put your thickness. What you leave out um, is just as important as what you put in. Where you get rid of thickness, where things are really like you'd be surprised at like how thin tails of like a giant thick 10-6 is, you know? Hmm. Whereas like in the, I've looked at boards from the past that are just like the tail blocks an inch thick or something because wow. the board's super thick and my mine are like a quarter inch thick or less. You know, they're like down to nothing, like trippy. Because that allows for that like almost like an extra fin well, to grab just, the wave just, face? It's just like it's just knifey, yeah. It's just yeah. like you can you can respond. I am... Um, you can you can you want to be able to sink your rail well same time paddling like paddling into a big wave like i've never caught a wave that's super gnarly big giant paddling into it at all but like that feeling even of a 12 foot wave in hawaii like when you're paddling into a big bomb at sunset or something it just like everything feels so small your giant board feels everything just gets shrunken down you know Mm -hmm. and it's like to be able to have the confidence to paddle into those waves and then have the board do what you want is pretty great. You know, that's yeah. the goal. That's really it. And, and like I watched, um, I made a board for Billy Kemper that, um, he won the jaws contest two years in a row, riding that same board actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize and that he was doesn't right for me. He's sponsored by town and country. I don't, he, they, they make him great boards. Everything. He just came to me for a couple big boards and, um, and that board, if you wa- I watched it. I didn't realize it at first, and I watched it again recently. Um, he got a 10 in the, the last wave he got at Jaws in the last contest. He won the contest getting barreled. And if you watch the wave, he drops in a little bit late, 
not airdrops really, but like it's a late drop. And then mid face, he knifes it up and pulls in the barrel and gets spit out. And that's what we're trying to do. Got it. Exactly. You know, just what you like, that's it. Yeah. He didn't have to go to the bottom. He didn't wait. If, if that board wouldn't have responded the way it did, he would have just kept going straight, missed the whole thing, got a freaking three. What, uh, what size was that board? 10, five. Really? I mean, I know that wave I'm envisioning it and you're right. It looks, if you made a guess, I would say that's like an eight something, you know? So that's, that's the thing. And those are quads and the quads that are like, they're pushed real far forward. The fins are pretty far forward. They're super loose. They actually surf. Like, um, if you ride like a, a nine L like that at sunset or something, it's like a board you can carve around and surf on it, you know? So that's that's exactly what we're trying to do like that's that's the whole that's all there is in big wave surfing i think really it's not like like i said no one's ever going to be like hitting the lip right it just doesn't work the the the, uh the physics aren't right right? yeah you know what i mean the speed and everything and just the power and push of a wave but getting barrels where they're at have you explored asymmetry at all yeah i made um i made mark healy a we did a project for surfers journal a couple years ago two years ago where I made, he just said, hey, make me an ASIM. And he did it with three different shapers, like not just me. He made, had three different guys make different, you know, their ideas of what it was. And mine was pretty simple. I'm not like, uh, that's not really my forte, obviously. But um, I just made a, one side of the board was the, the so we made it for rights, first of all. He's a regular uh, goofy foot. So the bottom turn part of it, so when he's, his heel side was a, standard like round pin and then his toe side so when he's coming off the top that's what he said he wanted to do actually so i guess i eat my words but he kind of did want to he's like i want to be able to do like a carve or a snap kind of you know so the toe side had a wing and a swallowtail and it was shorter so the it was pushed up it was kind of weird with a big wing in it and then i placed the fins relative to those it was a quad but the fins were in different places they're all pointing the same direction but placed in different little relative to that tail shape and then so it was just to go right and then he got barreled on left said why am I on it oh <laughs> the really first time I ever saw him riding he was like pointing these closeouts at not closeouts actually making them yeah but um, but he did get some waves at why on that board and I don't know if he rode it anywhere else how big was that board it was a 9-8 okay so and that's a big board but not like a giant board yeah I remember, I mean, I've seen him get barreled on the lefts at Waimea, yeah. but I don't know if that was the same board or not. That was like this session. camo board. It had like a, it had like a, it was like a, um, what are those planes? Like from the, from World War II, you know, like with the jaw, oh, the tiger, yeah, yeah. flying tigers or whatever, yeah. like camo with a shark's mouth kind of thing. Got it. It's pretty sick. Um, let's go back. You were talking about Ross Williams's insight with John John. What has he provided as a coach for John John in this year? I don't know specifically like what I don't I'm not like I don't get in between them at all you know like they do their own thing and they have their own insight I'm around them at contests or at home sometimes and you know they're watching waves um Ross will watch a lot of the footage they film pretty much every session he has almost you know and um so Ross is really looking at boards and body placement and stuff like that I don't know like the kind of like like coaching advice you know like he advice you know i don't know what he does there i don't know what he has to say to him about that but he's helped with because ross is a pretty big guy they're similar sizes actually ross and john john's actually a little heavier than ross but he's a lot younger too 
So Ross was always like, hey, I ride like this thick of a board and this much volume and this, you know, like you, you're the same, you know, you only weigh five pounds or you're almost the same or, or maybe five pounds more than me. Why aren't you riding, you know, ride, why are you riding these boards like two liters less than I'm riding sure. or whatever. So that was one of the things he came in with. And I had always been trying to get, like, I know what John, if you, I know what the formula is at least for what John should be riding size-wise. And it wasn't what he's riding. He's riding little boards. And you can see him struggle in small, slow waves, partially not just because of the design of the board, but because of the amount of foam under his feet strictly. Like, you take that same board and plump it up, and it's going to flow a lot better. Um, but he's always like that knifier feeling. You know how he surfs where he just, like, sinks the rail and just, like, pushes it super hard, and it holds. And that's partially because there's not too much foam there too, I think. Um so, but Ross kind of like, hey, let's, he gently kind of pushed John in that direction, which helped. It was like having an ally kind of like, oh yeah, like, I, and, and I had kind of almost given up at that point. Like, dude, I've told him that. I know, you know, like I've, I've been telling him that for years and, and, and Ross was like, okay, but he was just, he kind of kept at it and, and we're slowly getting there too, which is nice. Um, so for me, that's been a big help. Like I appreciate that part of Ross's effort mm-hmm. and um, I feel like John's surfing as good as he's or better than he's ever surfed right now basically um and i definitely appreciate ross kind of like teaming up he, he helped get the get the volume up it's interesting just, not just vol- i hate to just talk about volume that's something people are so hung up on volume 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 but just a little more foam i like <laughs> yeah and, you know and 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 like hey let's what if like why don't you just like one idea ross is like hey just at the beginning of the year like last year before he went to snapper like just like let's just make him six brand new boards he's never tried like i i, I can design a new shortboard every day you know like I, I mean not to say it'll be the best board you want but like i can think of or change little things and, and go like this should do this or this or this so we did that and then like instantly it was like okay no i don't like this one this one okay. but like these two are promising let's develop off that you know and that okay. was a cool thing too and and that helped ross was like on the beach watching that here try this board okay that one looked like what did you think about that you know yeah i think for john a lot of it is just having like a second set of eyes okay um he has pretty he has pretty good like gut instinct he has a good he knows what's going on john's the sure. best surfer in the world yeah you know what i mean imagine being that guy like you know how your boards feel well, but and it's nice to have another guy go, yeah, that did look good. Or, you know, I don't know. I know, and that's what always interests me is, like, um, he is the best surfer in the world. And for, like, he won the world title last year with Bede, obviously, helping coach part of the year. Yeah. And so I'm looking at Bede going, but John's a far better surfer than Bede. Why would he well, rely on Bede? surf. You taught him how to win heats. Right. And then you look at Ross, and Ross comes along and goes, hey, man, why are you riding that? I'm riding this over here. You should be riding what I'm riding. Well, the question there is, how could Ross tell John what to ride if John yeah, is an infinitely better surfer? It wasn't that. It wasn't that like black and white by any means. It was just more of like this. It was, it was literally like, hey, you need more volume in your boards. That yeah. was the main thing. And then it's like, hey, that board like. And then, like I said before, it was like the the like. Let's look at your weaknesses. How can we improve the boards and those weak? What can we do to make you surf better? Yeah. In that, and is it your? Can we work on your technique in those waves? Can we work on your? The, your equipment in those ways, yeah. work, whatever it is, yeah. let's add it up and get better. And, and I think, frankly, he's surfing better than ever in smaller waves. Well, he is. And what's crazy is um, it's in ways that were unexpected. So like the Margaret River example, yeah. he just surfed it in a way that we hadn't ever seen it been surfed before. And in the free surf sessions on the lay days, I remember him doing like a backflip on a right 
on Instagram. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, I guess tomorrow when the comp's on, we're going to see John like do the gnarliest airs we've ever seen. No, yeah. he just does the gnarliest carve we've ever. And I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's what is so exciting and what's winning heats is the judges saw that Instagram clip too. They yeah, sat so down to judge and then it threw them. As opposed to when we watch that. Felipe surf, we're expecting him to do a crazy rotation and so he has to outdo his last crazy rotation, right. you know? Um, so I think that's been interesting to watch with John where Ross can show up at the beginning of the year and give him those, you guys give him those six new boards and it's just shifting gears in an entirely different way that we're, we weren't expecting. I think yeah. that's, what's been exciting as, as the viewer. Yeah. Well, and it's funny now it's totally, um, one of those boards that we started with is still a board that he's like, that's one of his go-to boards right now here in this event he hasn't ridden it yet but he's like if it gets smaller it's what we'll be riding it's, and he ended up naming it it's the voyager one it's called and um but at the same time the board that he's been riding the most from margaret river even to yesterday's heat the ghost is is like that's the thing that's the least expected for me of the whole thing is like he rode that the board he won margaret's on he was riding at trestles yesterday hmm. a, a two inches shorter and made out of eps oh okay but the same design. Got it. And so now, he, but so the funny part is he's almost going back to the one board theory. Right. But the good part is I think that this one board is a way more versatile board. Like it does actually work in what he wants it to do rather than the one board theory that he had along the way was kind of, it was, there was always a weak point of it. And now right now it's looking like there's not that much of a weak point for this design. Has he been riding it in hollow waves? Oh yeah, everywhere, everywhere. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's where I made that board in the first place. It was like, just go get barreled on this thing. Really? And then instead it was like, oh, you just you just did a giant hair on that. And right. Like that, just all kinds of stuff. So it's been really cool. And that's been exciting for me. And I think it's cool because that board is, um, is unique. Uh, to, if you looked at every single guy in this contest board, there's not a single board that looks anything like it. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Really? Can you that's explain really cool. what For it's me, unique? That's exciting, you know. Yeah, of course. Um, it's just got a y, it's got a, a y point forward um, that and the volume, everything's pushed forward on it. Like the thickness, typically in a shortboard, the thickness in the tail is greater than the thickness at the nose at twelve inches generally speaking and some guys it's really thicker in the tail than the nose um this board is the opposite it's actually a little bit thicker in the nose than the tail and the wide points forward in the whole board and it has a wide like it has a it's almost like a 70s outline or something a very to you know a modern <laughs> it's not it's not a 70s outline. sure let's not say that no. <laughs> um, but and then it has a really pulled in tail. Like the tail itself is a pintail almost. Like, and my round tails on a shortboard are typically really round. And this is, it's still, I mean, it's round. It's not like pinny at the end by any means, but it's like, it's a pulled in tail. Like mm. the tail's like an inch narrower. Uh, at least it's a probably closer to three quarters of an inch narrower than like a typical shortboard of that measurement that he would have ridden even. Okay. And so it's a whole different thing. And, and just everything about it is different than... Like it, they just—it's not the same as a shortboard. Fascinating, and that's really exciting for me because it wasn't something that I saw coming. I saw this as more of like like the Margaret River sessions or like barrels at Backdoor or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then to see like he's like you know this thing feels pretty good in smaller ways, and I've been hearing that from more and more people that I've been making the board for, and that is exciting for me to have like a, a little shift. Yeah, like it's cool to actually do something different and have it work. It doesn't always happen, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I guess rare in that in that that little thirty-four dudes, that thirty-four guy area, yeah. it's not unheard of to have. I mean, there's guys writing different, like let's take you know the sci-fi or something like that. Is a but that's a whole different thing, and that, and that's basically a little small wave gravel board sure. with a few extra additions to it, you know, and it, and it works great and that kind of stuff. But it's not like. Um, it has its place. It's really, right. you know, this board to see it like, wow, this worked from that down to this, all one board. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I guess because the design implements aren't so obvious to the eye, Not at all, the, the market doesn't shift as much. Like I haven't heard people talking about it. Whereas I do remember them with the sci-fi and also oh, yeah, Dane that, Reynolds back in the day, yeah, riding the, the dumpster the diver and things yeah, like that, where the, the wide point was forward, but the yeah. tail was so weird looking yeah. that everybody noticed, right. you know? Yeah. So, um, we got to get the market. Like a, I can't, I mean, it's, it's, it's explainable, but it's definitely... No, you explained it well. You know, I just... I've seen him writing it, and I didn't notice it to the yeah. eye. That's the good thing, right? It's like, <laughs> you don't... Uh, that's kind of the scary thing in pro surfing. Like, people are scared. I think that the top 34 guys are afraid to ride something that's too far off because they don't want to be underscored because of whatever... If the board looks like it's too easy to surf or... Yeah. You know, it's funny. There's, like, these kind of unspoken parameters that you have to follow, it yeah. seems like, in that, in that upper-level surfing that um, surfboard wise like you can't go ride a fish in a heat and no. then you're just not going to win the heat exactly. because somebody's going to ride a shortboard and push through and make, you know whatever it is even if what you're being able to do on that fish is actually better you know it's, yeah. it's funny it's like a 
no one there's no written you know, yeah. rules about it but it definitely is like something that's kind of there but it would be nice if the market knew what that board was so that sure. they could go buy some surfboards sure, yeah. you know what well, I mean well it's, it's it's getting out there I think people are pretty I just um, yeah for sure more and more I'm, I've been getting we get it's our number one selling board oh okay <laughs> cool <laughs> right well, now today well, which is nice it actually that segues perfectly to another comment that I had which is one thing I really like about your guys' program, your guys meaning you, John, John, and even Ross, I would include in this, mm-hmm. is it's so contrary to the modern um, formula of self-promotion, Instagram, five times a day, like toot your own horn, all yeah. that stuff. Like even John, John doesn't really use Instagram. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have a personal Instagram account? I just we just have Paisel Surf. Yeah. I, I do. I have one. It's private. I don't even. Yeah, let, exactly. I just, if I don't, if I don't have like, if I haven't called you in the last two weeks, I'm not going to have you be my friend. <laughs> you know, that's all. <laughs> but I keep so it for like my true, like close, close. Friend. That's my point yeah. exactly. You okay. know what I mean? Everybody else in your guys' position is leveraging those things yeah. and the public eye to sell more surfboards, yeah. gain more influence, all cool. that sort of stuff. And you guys are just like so quiet, humble. And then even the board design, like I said, reflects that, where it's just like, oh, no, it's super subtle. Nobody would notice, and we're not really even actively promoting it. Yeah. We well, just wanted to go win heats. I just hired a new manager who disagrees with that theory. but <laughs> And that's his job. It, yeah. Meaning that's a marketing like. manager? Like, yeah, have someone else to do some. Well, just is like he the guy? manager. Is he the guy who emailed me? Probably, yeah. Oh, no, no. That was uh, Jason. Yeah. yeah. That's a, he, he's, he's moved on to a different project, but um, Andy that was just here, actually. Oh, okay. Andy is... Um, coming in but yeah no it's for me my the funny thing with my business is it's really personal like i don't it's a people think that my business is a lot bigger than it is because i've had so much exposure through john john really and i actually make boards for a lot of other people (laughs) believe it or not but um he, he he's brought in so much visibility to my name and our brand or whatever that it appears a lot bigger. And and we do have, like, I have licensees in seven or eight countries. Um, I travel around the world and shape and make boards for pro surfers around the world. Um, I do a lot, but it's also still really a family business. Like, my wife's over at our office right now doing stuff. And mm. um, it's it's real personal. It's not like we're not some big company. We are. Yeah. We're a surfboard company, but we're, we're a small, small business. And it's a total family business at this point, which is, I love it. Personally. Yeah. Um, so there's a, I think there might be a perception of our company being a lot bigger than it really is. Yeah. And it's growing and we want it to grow. Like that's our goal is to grow it for sure. There's no doubt. I'm not trying to pretend I'm not trying to, um, you know, make, make some, make a month, uh, a living and, and I do already, which is nice, but, um, but we're not like loaded. We're not blowing up. We're not, yeah. you know. I'm not traveling in first class. Every <laughs> so I get upgraded. <laughs> so that I wanted to actually, I make surfboards. <laughs> yeah, which by the way, I don't know if the listeners know, nobody really gets rich doing. Very few people have got rich doing making surfboards. Yeah. So as your business has grown over the years, what has been the biggest what have been the biggest challenges and learning curve for you? I mean, I would imagine you ideally when you're getting into it, it's like, oh, I'll just spend my life in the shaping bay and sell boards to people. It obviously That's- that it's funny is like I've uh, the cool thing about what's happening we have grown it enough that like so I went from like it was just my wife's always helped me first of all like I gotta give Dally 100% credit for like from day one and even if it was just like working so that I could keep shaping even though I wasn't making money shaping in the beginning um, or whatever she's done like she's supported it so much it's just uh, unbelievable right 
And so, and she's part of it. She's a lot. She's really smart and she's really good at figuring things out, but she's also not from the surf industry. Like she doesn't, she doesn't know how other people do it. She just knows what we do. You know what I mean? And she's learning more and more about what other people do too. But anyways, my point is in the beginning, it was just me shaping surfboards basically. And, and you know, sending someone in writing out an invoice and there weren't even invoices for God's sake. But, um, anyways, as it's grown, I had to do more and more stuff besides just shape because it got big enough where I'm like, Oh, I have to return these calls or I have to take these orders. And like, I was talking to every single person that ordered a board. Like I used to know every, like if someone walked by with a board, like I knew the guy, you know what I mean? (laughs) Now I like, I, I, I'm at the beach in Hawaii and like people walk by and they don't even say hi to me and they're walking by with a board I made, you know, I trip out on that where I'm like, Oh, I just, I don't even know who that guy is. Amazing. Like he doesn't even know who I am. And he's going and I'm like, or I'll just go like, Hey, how's you like that board? Yeah. They're like, yeah, I love it. I'm all right. Fascinating. Cool. It's trippy. That, that was a transition to like, Oh, I don't know those people. But, um, my point is it, it there was a point where like, this was really overwhelming where like I had way too much to do and yeah. like trying to shape and, and do everything. And then it got where we just were making enough money to have help. You know what I mean? And that's been a big thing where like you, so I make I'm then I'd make less money, but I'm I'm more freed up to do what I like to do and my part of it. And ideally, like right now, my job is to shape surfboards pretty much, and um, which is really cool. I don't have to do all the. I mean, I used to go. We would like I'd be packing surfboards in my living room to send to Japan when we were first doing stuff. You know what I mean? Or I was glassing. Like I was I was glassing boards for years. I I built surfboards for a long time, um, where. I was shaping them and glassing them and like someone else would sand them. I had my own glass shop, but I was doing all the laminating or I, even before that I was laminating for someone else and doing my boards through their shop too, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. And each step was like, Oh, I got a little bit more towards what I wanted to do. Like now I don't work for anybody else glassing, but I'm still glassing my own boards. And then eventually it was like, now I'm only glassing like the team boards. Like I used to glass all John's boards until I don't know how many years ago, but for a long time. Um, and then it's like, now, I, I'm now I'm only glassing my boards, only just mine to get them, you know? And now I don't, I don't glass any boards. I'm yeah. sure. And I, I don't mind it. Sure. I don't mind glassing. But like, those have been like kind of stages of stuff where you get more help and, and there's people doing things. And so I'm, I am able to focus more and more and more back to what I love doing in the first place. And that's shaping, Good. which is cool. And also like going surfing, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to split and go surf, you know, like it's, it's awesome. That's my goal is never to just like work all day every day. No. My when you start shaping boards, or I think most people in the surf industry, it's like you go you you start off in that industry because of surfing. Right. And then a lot of people get so wrapped up that they don't surf. For me, I just want to go surf, make surfboards, and keep changing stuff up. You know. Good. Yeah. yeah, and I would imagine too, the more time you're able to spend in the shaping bay, the way that it is now, you could actually refine what you're best at totally you know not wasting time sending invoices yeah yeah totally which you're not good at anyway yeah you don't think you're putting your energy onto the stuff you're good at like i'm not good at paperwork yeah exactly good at surfboards exactly there's a lot of people who are great at paperwork yeah totally hire them don't mind it and they're like all right cool i took care of that i balanced this spreadsheet or whatever like i don't i hate spreadsheets um how much surf media do you consume? Obviously, you're involved in the WSL watching, but do you subscribe to magazines anymore? Do you watch surf films, surf edits online? I'm super gnarly. Into um, it or against it? No, into it. Oh, really? Um, I don't... No, not... I'll tell you. I love... Like, I kind of trip out, actually. I was just talking about surfing. Like, surfing magazine's gone. 
Surfer Magazine is like, I don't even know how many times a year they come out anymore, but it's like a weird thing that's like random. I don't know. They don't like, I'll put it this way. I live on the North Shore. Foodland is our one grocery store, which is probably the most surfy grocery store on earth. And like, they don't sell Surfer Magazine anymore. Wow. Like it used to be like, you'd be waiting in line and there's surfing and surfer. And you're like, oh cool, I'll grab this. Yeah. I bought, I used to buy every issue uh, no matter what. And then, then it got kind of down to like, oh, I can just look through it. Here yep. and see if there's something I'm interested in. If I am, I'll buy it. If I'm getting on a plane, I'll buy it at the airport, whatever. Um, but now it doesn't really exist. That's a trip. So I'm more like I get a lot of stuff from online, and um, I'm I'm pretty like if you ask me about something in surfing in the last 20 years, I could probably answer a lot of the stuff. You know? really? Like I really I'm I'm pretty into it. I'm not into like the deep history of surfing. I'm not against it, but I'm not like. Oh, in 1947, somebody did, or even in the 60s, really so much. But like from the 90s to now, or even the 80s to now, I'm, I've, I've, there's not a lot that's gone by me. I would hope. So what are your, what are <laughs> I your? Mean, not hope. It doesn't matter. Sure, but you're like, just into just it. Like it yeah. So but, what are your go-to sites um, on a daily? Like on my phone, I look at like every day. I have Beach Grit and Stab. I love those guys, and they're pretty. They're funny because they're kind of like go against each other a little bit but yeah and i'm and i like the people at both of those sites um and then like if you go to australia there's there that, those are my two things surfline i go to like if i'm on my computer i'm gonna i have like on my favorites i got surfline beach grit stab um those are those are wsl so not, they're actually stepping up to like some pretty interesting stuff i mean it's you know it's pretty limited but it's still interesting um and then I'll look at like surfermag.com, like online. They yeah. have some good stuff like that. They actually just did a, a board thing on the ghost, that board. Oh, so they did? That's up right now. Yeah, cool. it's pretty, and it's great. Like, and they're, they're, you know, nice people. I've met, I know a lot of people through the industry now, just be, mostly because of living in Hawaii. Everyone comes there, so you kind of meet people throughout your life right there. But um, those are the ones I really like. And then you go to Australia and there's magazines. They have magazines still, like, they're strong, you know, like, there's, it's funny. I I, um, I probably uh, people in Australia probably know more about me than people in America through the media. Hmm. They tend to be real interested in stuff and and do little articles. And they're really into surfboard stuff. They're they're more. It's a surfing nation. That's we're not what a I was surfing nation. Say. Like yeah. we're just surfing's like a silly thing here. Almost. Right. Right. Whereas Australia, it's like a real thing. Right. And so they're like, hey, what can we let's talk about this or do you know? It's cool. I like it. Interesting. Um, what surfers are you most excited to watch? Everyone's, you know, it just depends. Oh, oh, like, I love, that's one thing I was just going to say about, like, the edits, too. You're talking about, like, watching clips or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really get into that stuff too much. Like, if there's somebody I really like, like, I'm all, oh, Dane Reynolds. Like, actually, I actually haven't watched his new thing that's You're out. You're blowing it, yeah, dude. I know. You're like a week behind <laughs> schedule. <laughs> that's an eternity in the internet. Yeah, I, I don't even know if that's still online, it, if it's available anymore. But, yeah. um, no, I just... I, I'll, I'll, I'll watch stuff of guys that I do have an interest in and then, but like just everything I don't, I'm not, there's too much. but I like to read stuff. I'm, I'm more into like the reading. I like articles. Okay. I'm more into like, Hey, what is this information? Like what's going on in the industry or what's happening with these? You know, I don't know. And it's a weird thing. I, it's my wife says I have a problem. <laughs> um, it's not, not the worst addiction to have. Yeah, if there was like a surfer trivia game, I'd do pretty good. I think. Um, so which surfers but, but, are you most excited to watch? You mentioned Dane yeah, Reynolds. Yeah, Dane, I love watching Dane. Obviously, I like watching John and his brothers, too. Like, Ivan and Nathan are actually amazing surfers and mm-hmm. really um, 
they're super fun to watch. I got a great crew of kids. The um, they're doing a thing called Shadow Company. Yeah, which is which is Nathan Florence, Billy Kemper, um, Luke Davis, and I've seen Koa Rothman, Koa, yes. but I've seen Koa, Koa. Smith on and Koa one Smith or two. Smith jumps trips. in there too. Those okay. guys, the Koas, the two Koas, those guys are good friends. Okay, um, I make boards for Nathan and both Koas. Okay, um, not like. They're not on my team, but they get you know like oh Nathan is, but I'm but um but like Koa Smith, he gets boards from me, not he gets boards from other people too, not yeah. just me, but he gets a lot of you know he's he's gotten a lot of boards from me. Koa Rothman, I make most of his boards, and so watching what those guys put out, I love because I'm like a I'm connected to it, and b they're just badass, you know yeah. like they're <laughs> those guys um, like in Hawaii and even anywhere where there's big waves, it's like I'm really stoked that. Like I'm a part of that crew, yeah. Because they're the pinnacle of stuff right now to me when I look at it, yeah. And I'm trying. I don't think I'm biased saying that. Like I just it, whoever's boards any of those guys were on, I would think that. And um, but I'm stoked that they're like mostly on my boards doing that stuff. Those kids. That one wave that Cole Rothman got at Pipe last year. Yeah. Was that on your board? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then Billy's waves like you're well, Billy. Just to be clear, like Billy does ride for town and country. I don't want to take anything away from that relationship or anything. Like Glenn makes amazing boards. Those are pangs. Super cool, yeah, pangs. Yeah. And they're they're great. And and Billy just came to me only for a couple bigger boards. Sure. That's it. So that I thought that the Shadow Company edit that Surfline just put out was like the end of the series. Yeah. Is it or are they uh, continuing? I don't know. Those guys are you know I, they're pretty vague kids. They're just doing their thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, we just did like I didn't even know. One of those places I didn't even know where they went. Right. And they're like, "Hey, I need my boards," and I forgot. I'm like, "Where are you guys going?" You know, and I'm not going to say where. I know where it is now, but the one where Cole Rothman took the board yeah, to the head. They called it Atlantis or whatever. So gnarly. Yeah, gnarly. But I'm like, whoa! I didn't see they. They're so uh, those kids are so humble. Like they don't come back going like, "Oh, I just got the most. We just we just blew up." You know, they don't even mention it. And yeah. then I'll be like, like Nathan, that wave that Nathan got at um, Chopes a couple yeah. years ago, like down. Hands down, like the gnarliest wave anybody paddled into, and it, as far as I can tell, Corey Lopez got a really gnarly wave a long time ago. There, I remember it was cover right, of surfing right up there. Like it was really, and, and at that time it was. Anyways, that wave, Nathan's like, well, oh yeah, like I didn't. Even, they didn't even tell me about that wave. Like I didn't even see it for three months or two months until they like put it out in, in John's movie. Wow, and I was just like holy shit, are you kidding me? He's like, oh yeah, I'm all, and I'm like, I heard you got like a good one down there. He's like, oh yeah. It really? Yeah, they're, they're so gnarly. And Koa Rothman, that same session, they were going back and forth. Like, they were like, I'm going on the gnarliest one. And Nathan's like, I'm, you know, they were not. Yeah. Like, literally, they were pushing each other. The the waves those guys got in that little session was just crazy. Well, you're right. That does sound like humility. But I was wondering if it's also just being jaded. Like, on that Shadow Company trip, yeah. they come back and they're like, oh, it was all right. Yeah, because yeah, they get to go somewhere every yeah. month. Yeah. That's insane. There is that. There is that but they're... They're pretty out. Those kids are like full surfers, you know. They're not like they're not the guys that like surf every once in a while and have to go on a trip and get right. photos. Like they freaking they, the they go out of their way to get good waves, you know. Like they don't mess around. That Shadow Company edit, I really, really did enjoy. Yeah, they did a phenomenal job. Um, I still haven't even watched the whole. They have a the, the full movie. Like yeah, full, it's like twenty I mean, minutes or something. Movie, but yeah. But I like miss. Sal Masekela's doing yeah. all the narration. They yeah. develop storyline yeah. in it. I was super stoked. It's really they did cool. That. I, I, I mean, I'm not taking any credit, but I'm. But last year, I'm like, you guys are like, you guys are killing it. Like, 
you need to like have your own website or something and do something, you know, and, and then someone put that whole thing together. Well, Surfline, it looks yeah, like, yeah. is the one that did it, yeah, which bravo it. to Surfline because yeah. honestly... No, I'm um, like, these guys, this is a story right here. Like, these guys are amazing. But they've also gotten a lot of mileage out of it by doing a feature for each trip. Totally. So like every other month, you see a new yeah, thing. And it's killer. Like, I think everyone... Who's Everyone not stoked to watch that? It's like it's well, good. and then when the edit comes out in the end, I stopped what I was doing yeah. and it directed all of my attention. Yeah. So I thought Surfline did a phenomenal yeah, job totally. of like capturing it's that. Cool. And those are those are. I mean, to me, those are like that's going to be. They're a historic group of kids. You know, they're like a real. That's going to be like twenty years from now. It's like, oh, those guys at that time were doing this. That was the gnarly. You know what I mean? You look well, back. That's going to be. I agree with you, and it's easy to write them off because. Like with Luke Davis, for example, it's just like, oh, he's just living the the party lifestyle and like the pink hair and all that yeah. stuff distracts it's you. Until he paddles into but the then freaking you, bomb that you wouldn't want to touch. Yeah, you watch yeah. that and you're just yeah. like, holy yeah. crap, these kids totally. are ripping. Yeah, yeah. and they're, so. they're not holding back. Um, they're gnarly. So, and, they're, and they're all nice kids. That's the cool part I like is like I'm all killer. It's not like I'm all... Uh, they're kind of jerks, but I'm stoked they're on my boards. It's like I love them, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, so much of our world exists on Instagram nowadays. Which accounts are you most interested to follow? Do you follow other shapers, surfers? Yeah, no, I like, like what? I like what do you all kinds of stuff. I, I follow. Like, I'm pretty good friends with a lot of shapers. You know, I think it's pretty cool. Actually, I've that's that's one of my favorite things about maybe like just being a like I love being a part of surfing. Like, be, like, like that's one of the. Like I, I just love surfing so much. Like as a thing, not just like not as like going. Sur- I love going surfing, but also just like the whole thing. It's like a, it's a thing. You know, surfing's like a real. It's an entity of its own. You know, and I'm stoked that like I did, to be a part of that. But the people that I've always like really looked up to in that are shapers. Like I've always admired shapers and been interested in what they're doing, and um and I've been really stoked to like have in the last like five or. 10 years even uh, met so many of these guys that like like I'm friends with Mark Richards you know what I mean like the guy's like hey what's up Mark like Simon Anderson how's it going you know like it's just like it's incredible for me because there's a lot of guys that are little they're not that old but they're older than me so old enough that like I mean MR was winning world titles when I was in junior high but yeah like he's a legend you know what I mean and so just to um, I'm I've just found that the most shapers are pretty Cool. Like yeah. I like them. Yeah, I get along with all of them pretty much. Like I was just down at Timmy Patterson's the other day, hanging out with him. Went next door to Matt's to Biolis's and checked. He showed me through his factory and stuff. And it's just been really cool. Like to have. I feel like there's this like kind of a little group, not like a brotherhood or anything. Camaraderie, so cheesy, but like yeah, just like and that people aren't like real jealous of each other. Like people are stoked, and and a lot of shapers come to me, and they're really stoked that like John has stayed with me because that's a rare, rare thing. There's endless guys. The most people that ever say anything about that are shapers. They're like, dude, I'm so stoked. He's still riding your boards. Like, that's so cool. Yeah. Because they're just like, that's that doesn't happen, you know? No, it really doesn't. And so, it, I don't know. I just, I just like, I'm stoked that I got to become friends with a lot of good guys. Like, a lot of shapers around the world. And that, that they're cool. Mm-hmm. And they're not like petty and not like, oh, man, you're... You know your shapes suck. You just got lucky, or you just did this, or you know, and, and no one's like that to anybody, really, that I know. Yeah, everyone's pretty cool. That's and great. I, to I hear. love it. Like go to the contest and like hang out with. Like I was hanging out with um, Darren Hamley yesterday, and like I love that guy. 
I yeah. drove him around for two weeks in Bali one time. He didn't even get a car. He just like made me drive him around. <laughs> like, All right, I'll take you. Yeah, that's really. But like, cool. it's cool. It's and then those guys are like, you can learn from those guys and and just, I don't know. I dig that. That's awesome. Yeah, very cool. Um, I'm more of a shaper fan than a surfer fan. I guess I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I love <laughs> surfers too. But um, yeah. Anyways, do you have thoughts on the WSL? Kind of, there's this reported new changes that are coming in 2018. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? And just kind of what's the insider's temperature on how the WSL is doing their job? I, I'll say two things. One is I don't know as much as people think I might know. Okay. Um, I'm not like, I don't really get into the business end of that stuff at all. I'm just like, I'm the shaper. You know Got what it. I mean? Um, and even with John, I'm not like, hey, what do you think about this? Like we don't, uh, with him, we're not, we have a different relationship. Like we're talking about like fun stuff and what we're doing and you know what like boats shit like that. Um, not like what do you feel like about the, I don't know, the current judging like, criteria? Yeah, it's not like that at all. I, yeah. That's like shop talk. You know okay. what I mean? We don't do shop talk. Um, but on the other hand, what I've heard or what I read, and I read it on Stab or something, I think, and I didn't even know. Like he went, John went to that meeting the day before. I didn't know. He didn't tell me anything. I didn't have any idea. We didn't even discuss it. But. Um, but if if what they say is the case, the only thing that the th- my thoughts, if say whatever they wrote was totally true, exactly, which I doubt it is. Even if maybe that's what they're thinking right now, they'll probably shift things around on the way to getting to where they're at. And then I also heard it's not until 2019; it's another year away. It's not like next year it's going to start this way. Got it. But um, but there's. I think it's going to be tough on the lower level guys. That sucks for them because um, there's a lot of guys that are coasting. Not coasting. No one's coasting, but like just like getting by. Right. And um, everyone's trying hard, but they're not, you know, whatever. So I think that that's going to be a little bit tough. They're going to kind of call that down. And then the thing that I heard was that so they're going to go, you get cumulative points over the year, but those points don't make you a world champ it comes down to one event at the end of the year that makes you the world champ. And that is not smart in my opinion. Like, I don't know why you do that. And then they're saying like, okay, we're going to take the top six. They're going to surf the six. Number six will surf against number five. Whoever wins that surfs against number four wins that goes, you know, on the, and number one. So basically to be a world champ, you have to win one heat. Right. That seems crazy. Really, really weird. Yeah. That element of it, I think they'll adjust, but to be, but to be in that position, you have to do well throughout those other contests too. So that's, Maybe yeah. it is. Maybe there's some merit to that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, hey, you kicked ass all the way to here, so we're going to give you a f- free card, and these other guys have to fight to beat you. But that, to me, it just doesn't seem like it's a very legit thing. Like, who's going to walk away from that going, like, I'm the world champ. That was great. Right. You know? And you could be in that position and yeah. then just simply not get waves. Yeah. Like exactly. we see happen all exactly. the time. So, so maybe or maybe if they boiled that down to, like, three heats. Yeah. Or... or I don't know what, but yeah, yeah, like a bad heat, you have one bad heat and you don't win the world title. That's freaking lame. I do like the idea of smaller contest windows. Totally. Fewer fewer surfers, all that stuff, and even like an idea of a majors system. My favorite part of, sorry to interrupt. No. My favorite just is the season thing. I've been saying that for years. Like, they should have a season. Like, you need, like, for me as a surfboard maker, a, a shaper, to have three months where like we don't have to make sure that someone's winning a heat next right. week on that board and we can just go like hog wild yeah. like that's going to change everything for me like yeah. hey I just made you 
Like, I just made you 10 completely different boards. Go take these and go surfing. You have two weeks. Go, At all go different places. Yeah. yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah. And then we'll find out five of those and get rid of five of the. You know, like, to me, that's a beautiful thing because, to be honest, I believe that pro surfing if at that elite level holds back surfboard design more than almost anything couldn't agree more yeah and that to me is a bummer but and especially when that's really my that's my biggest showcase of my work yeah is that top level pro surfing and so i don't get to show all this other fun stuff i don't and and that's my own fault business wise that i haven't i need to branch out and like i need you know this guy that rips on a twin fin or what, you know, like uh, that's my problem from marketing perspective or whatever. But from design work, it's like, I want to have, I have to make sure that these boards work and they have to be good next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. And, and if they're not, we have to fix that right away. Yeah. And we, they can't go too far. So if we have three months off where like every guy gets to go do whatever they want and dude, everyone says like, Oh, pro surfing, those guys are so lucky. And they absolutely are. 100% not lucky but like that's a killer life of course but it's imagine like your life where you spend two weeks of every single month away from home yep and it doesn't work for everyone and it's not the easiest thing it's not the best thing some people just want to be home for a little while and everybody will argue like hey are you kidding me I got paid to serve I wouldn't care what I did but I I don't think it's always entirely true. You know, anybody who says that go live on the road for a year yeah, and then get back great. to me. It's not that great. Yeah. Like even I go to contests and I'm like, and you, it takes different kinds of people, but like imagine going somewhere for two weeks and just waiting for four days of those two weeks to happen. Yeah. So they're like, and different people handle it different ways. John and his crew handle it. Amazing. They make the most, they're like never complaining. They're never like, Oh, this sucks. Another lady. They're just like, what are we going to do this week? Killer. Let's go. They're on it. Yeah. And it's rad. And that's, I think that's one of the things that keeps him where he's at too, is his ability to take those, those 10 days out of that two weeks that they're not going to surf mm-hmm. and make the most of the, that. And also to surround yourself with the people that are on that same page with you that right. make those 10 days good too. Right now he has Brandon Wasserman that travels with him, that helps him. Um, Eric Knutson, who's his filmer, who's a rad guy. And, and Ross and they all get along really well and then there's a little mix of different people here and there and, and in and out of that you know and um, they all get along so well and I think that's one of the key elements where you see guys there's a lot of people that like hate traveling yep. and hate being on the tour and can't wait to get on that they like on the plane two hours after they lose their heat yeah. and then there's other people that are just oh, my ticket's not for another four days the waves are good I'm going to stick around and have fun well, I've always attributed Kelly's success to that. And yeah. somebody, it wasn't me that identified it. Somebody at some point mentioned it, but it's like everywhere he goes in the world is home yeah. for him. Well, he, he has, has little like families. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, yeah. So rather than staying in a hotel, he's staying with families, yeah. gets in the yeah. routine of the same he's food all the time. He's never had a home, essentially. I mean, he has or he's had a million of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he has houses and stuff, so, but like, yeah, he but, doesn't, he's, his home is just wherever he so is. So to have home field advantage everywhere you go is well, significant. That's, and that's part of like what John does when he brings people, like people trip out sometimes like, oh, it's like, a, you have like an entourage or something. And it's like, it's not an entourage. It's like, it's people that, that like being with him. He likes having them with him and they can help him yeah. to do his, to, to get to doing what he wants by, by helping him eliminate some of the things that he has to deal with or just streamlining things or whatever. And at the same time, just being friends. Like you're not, you're not like, Oh, you know, you're not yearning for your friends and your stuff when you have them with you. Right. It's killer. You know? And he's done a great job with that. And with his brothers, like his mom, 
he took she took him and his brothers everywhere from their little little kids yeah. like they camped on the beach at Barra when John was like 10 years old when no one even knew about that place you know what I mean so and, and she came up she's like we stayed at this killer like point break down the, like these rocks and on the beach there like it was amazing and, um, and then like what five years later they're like the best ever surf event at, you know yeah the rip curl event yeah and it's like oh yeah that's where they were camping because the locals at 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 um in Porto are like hey we'll take you they always took they'd always take them to special places that kid wherever he goes he gets to go to the secret spot with someone you wow. know and like his family too they just love him that's amazing it's pretty cool and that's been a whole well, different adventure life he had an adventure life growing up you know like not just like being a pro surfer but just like enjoying where he was at with yeah. his mom and like at all different levels of comfort and and in the dirt or in a nice hotel or whatever it is at different times so it's, it's pretty cool listeners have told me they're like wouldn't you love to get John John like to interview John John? And in my mind, I was always like, "Yeah, whatever." I'd rather interview Alex. Yeah, like she, she's the fascinating figure to yeah, me in that whole scenario. Yeah. You know, the whole family—they're all really—they're all really special. They're all um, really cool people. Do you ride other shapers' surfboards? I do. I don't like go after it. Like I'm not like I I'll ride anything. Like I don't care. Like I'll grab a board. Like um, I've ridden probably more Timmy Patterson's than anybody because I'll go to Portugal and he shapes there too for the same factory. And like sometimes I'll go there and I just won't have a board yet. Like I'll shape myself a board and get it glassed or I won't have, like it gets big and I'm like, oh, I'll just ride this six five or whatever. And so I'll ride that. I'll try different. I'm totally open minded to do it. I've got, but I'm not like chasing it either. I'm like, oh, I got to try this and see why it works or whatever. Um, but how I've informative written, is it for your learning experience as a shaper? It's, it's, I don't know if it's like, I'm never really like. It's not like I'd ride a board and then like take it in my shaping room and measure it up and try to copy it or something. You know, that's just not my deal. Um, but maybe like ride a board and like, oh, it feels like this and like kind of look at it and like, wow, there's a lot more concave through that center line than I usually do. Or there's, you know, a different thing in the outline or whatever it is or thickness flow or something. I don't know. I, I don't, there's nothing real specific where I've done that, I don't think. But I just, I like the, it's good to feel other stuff, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting. Sometimes, I'm like, well, this thing feels really different than I expected, or, or good, or bad, or whatever. You know, yeah. I don't know. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Are you mainly just writing short, pointy-nosed short, short boards, or what are you writing? Well, so since I, like, I live in Hawaii, right, and I surf, I live right at Rocky Point, and so I surf Rocky Point a lot. It's a really fun wave. There's waves there all the time. It changes around. There's rights and lefts, and it, it changes around a lot. And you can ride, unless it's, like, really big there, you can ride a shortboard no matter what. Okay. Like, so, and my shortboard is a 5'8". Like, I ride a 5'8". How tall are you? I'm 5'9". Oh, okay. So, it's like, well, my wife says I'm not quite 5'9", but I don't believe it. <laughs> but, um... Keep talking. It's going to take five I, as well. I, um, like, my standard board's 5'8". And it works in waves from like waist high to double overhead. Okay. And um, but it's not a normal shortboard. It's a wider nose. It's called a Pisalian. It's my favorite. Yeah. Like my my favorite design. A little swallowtail. 
um, a little chunkier forward. It has a fl- real flat deck, so the rail feels full for its thickness. And um, and but it just is a really good all-round board. It works everywhere, and it's just it's my favorite design I've ever made. Okay. And um, so I'll ride that a lot. But I also mix it up. I mean, I'll ride a little bit bigger board, a little bit smaller. But basically everything. I, I'll make myself just straight, normal shortboards, just mostly to try the designs. I used to ride all shortboards all the time, just pointy nose, normal mm-hmm. shortboards. Um, I really like round tails because they're a little less... I don't know, I've been into squash tails a little bit more too now. But um, but pretty much, like, my boards go from, like, 5'8 up to 6'1-ish in there and different things. Like the Ghost, that new board, I've been riding that a lot. Like, I was in G-Land and Indo for a month this summer and I rode a ghost quite a bit when it was bigger um, and then my boards go like way bigger like I'll go up to like a 7 and 6 or something okay. from there or no I have a, I guess I have a 6 8 or something for like big jockos and then I'll but then I'll go up to like something a lot bigger so but but I, the majority of my surfing is done on like high performance not necessarily pointy nose but they're all pointy nose they're not round yeah. but like in that realm a modern shortboardish thing but not like that like WC, you know, CT sure. boards. They're like more like fun daily driver kind of boards. Yeah. So um, if you could have one board shaped by anybody on the planet, what would you get from who? I was just talking to, I was over at Biolis's the other day and he has a bunch of different boards from guys. And um, one of the guys I'd really like to get a board from is Simon because I just, he's just rad. And like he makes, like I wouldn't want to, re- like Matt has like an old, like a, uh, a copy of like the thrusters that he was making in the eighties or something, you know, I'd rather just get something like one of his modern boards that he, you know, something that he's just making for guys right now. Yeah. Just cause I like, I don't know. I just think it'd be fun. I've always kind of wanted to sign. I'm going to try to order one. <laughs> I was going to say that's attainable. You can get yeah, that. Totally. No, I was going to talk to him about it actually. I think, um, but anyway, Timmy, like, I think Tim stamps is making them here. Yeah. I'd rather I'll go. With the yeah. But I wouldn't mind either way. Stamps makes beautiful boards too. Like yeah. I'm good. I like to stamp. He's another guy like, we're in Australia together a few years ago, like going surfing together and stuff. He'd pick me up and take me surfing. And yeah. Super cool guy. Really talented. Um, I, I've had Timmy, I haven't had Timmy Patterson's. I've ridden enough of them. I feel like I kind of have. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know who else. There's not really any like, I don't know. Simon Anderson fits. That's Simon's a good answer. Kind of my guy. I like those, like, I like how his boards look. I haven't even really picked up that many of them, but I just like, like, they have a good look to them. And yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I really like Timmy's boards a lot, too. I remember Kelly um, surfing J-Bay on those Simon Andersons like 10 years ago. Yeah, he switched round. it up a yeah. little bit and rode those, and that was some of the best surfing I had seen done yeah. at that time. I was yeah. like, yeah. loved that. Yeah. Um, what's your current relationship like with surfing? Like how often and all that? Every time it's good. Yeah? What I, does that amount to? Like five days a week? or? Oh, Yeah. For sure. <laughs> like, I usually, if the surf's good at home, I'll surf in the morning before I go to work, and then I'll surf again in the afternoon when I come home, or I just won't go to work. Like, I, I just, if the waves are good, I'm just going surfing, for sure. Um, I travel to go surf. Like, I go to Bali and work. I shape down there. Oh, okay. Um, in the summer, so I'll spend, like, I was there for, well, it's just, just under a month this summer. Like, sometimes I'll spend up to two months in Bali, and working down there, um, I surf as much as I can. And that's one thing, like, for a while, I kind of, I've never gotten away from surfing at all, but I've definitely like had times where I'm like, haven't been surfing as much. And I'm like, that's lame. Like I'm going to, I'm getting older. So my surfing ability is definitely, I've noticed like I've peaked, which mm. sucks. Cause yeah. it's like, I always felt like I was getting better. Like, okay. And I still can 
I, I can get barreled and surf and churn. And, you know, I mean, I can surf all right. I'm not a bad surfer, by, um, but it's definitely like if I don't surf for a little while, I'm like, well, I feel a little slow to my feet right. or something lame where I'm like, I can't believe I didn't make that drop. Like I do shit where I'm like, I just went over the falls on that thing. Like I, that would have been a piece of cake like five years ago or 10 years ago. But then sure. it makes you reassess re- your priorities yeah, yeah, and I'm spend like, more so time on the this water. this is my time. Like I got to do this. And like, yeah. or trips, like I'll do like, like from from Hawaii, you can go to Fiji in six hours. You're in Fiji and like take a boat out to cloud break and surf. You know, like yeah. we do stuff like that. We're like, okay, four days of just boom, 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 surf our brains out or whatever. And so I'm to- I'm totally committed to that. Like, good for I you, love man. surfing. That's like that's my deal. Man, for you're sure. I'm a surfer before I'm anything else. I would say. Well, it's funny. So when you were talking about board design um, in big waves and stuff, I was thinking like. I would imagine a lot of your learning curve as a shaper, a lot of your feedback comes from yourself. You can take those designs out in the water and ride them, but with big wave surfing, that's a different that thing. you're su- you're just reliant yeah. on. Yeah. No, it's everybody's different. feedback. I used to like I used to go out like I have a ten I have a ten O under my house that Bushman gave me. I used to I worked for Bushman. He helped me out a lot when I was younger too. And when I moved to Hawaii, he was one of the main guys. After Ed at country, Bushman gave me my first shaping job, so I I was a back shaper for him when um when he was so he's getting boards cut on the shaping machine this is when the shaping machines were just kind of kicking in and which seems like like ancient history now i guess but um but he he was funny because he had his own shaping machine but he wouldn't let me use it he forced me he made me um hand shape right he's like no not yet buddy like keep going which i'm totally grateful for to this day like i can go in anywhere in the world with any tools or and, and shape a surfboard, which is really cool. But, um, but, but yeah, so, oh, back to that. Bushman gave me tons of, tons of help. Absolutely. Like as far as shaping, like information and actual physical, like here's rockers or here's this, or, or you're like, here, fix this board. You, this rail was off. You should have done that. You know, he was the one that gave me it all right there mm-hmm. for sure. So I give him, him and Matt Moore. Matt Moore was like, Matt Moore never taught me like, I didn't ever shape when I was with Matt in in California, but he his whole lifestyle was what made me want to be a shaper. Okay, like what he did his whole life. My life is surfing. Like that's all. My my business is surfing. My kid surfs. My one of one of two kids surf. My wife doesn't. She can surf, but she she does sometimes. But like everything I do revolves around surfing. Yeah. Like from so there's not even a line between work and surf. <laughs> it's all the same to me, right? right? Like so there's there's no difference, and that I think is super important. But um, but so Matt was the one that was like that. He was like in the ocean. He surfed. He was a great shaper. He's a good surfer. He was like everything. And I'm like, wow, that's a pretty cool thing. His family, it just how it all worked. And so that's what really I think pushed me down there. But then Bushman was the one that like taught me what to do you know what I mean like he was like hey here's what you're doing wrong or here's how you can do this and you can use my shaping room and here's these tools and let me show you this and and I'll give you a job and teach you even more you know so he was the one that like he gave me my skills you know and you have that you said you have a 10-0 from him oh yeah that was my (laughs) tangent Um, yeah so what I'm saying is I did used to go surf bigger waves I wouldn't say like I was a big wave guy by any means but I've paddled into some decent sized waves yeah and then like toe surfed for a bunch of years oh, really? like I got I actually broke my neck toe surfing like I got like I've I've been like 
I've towed in on the days when they're running the eddy, you know, like like big waves. Wow. And not like scared shitless and, and had a great time too, all kinds of stuff, you know. And I don't really do that anymore. It's kind of faded out and it's I don't have that drive. Like it, it's more and more scary the older I get for some reason, I'll yeah. be honest. Um, but I've ridden big waves, but I haven't ridden really big waves by any means. So I do have a feel for like some of it, but now with the boards, I haven't ridden... Like, I've surfed big sunset on my boards, and I've surfed, you know, decent size waves, but I wouldn't say I've, um, I've surfed big waves on those same boards. But I know what they feel like, and then I get really good feedback from everyone that rides them, and sure. I can tune them in from there. And surfing, like, I, I'm i not putting my, like, my ability to, like, when I was younger, I obviously surfed better than I do now. Um, and I didn't have people telling me as much about boards you know what I mean? Like I was my own team rider for a long time in the yeah. beginning. I was like the guy, like okay, this I can do this. Maybe this will be better or whatever. Yeah. And then I've I've now completely know like I don't take my own feedback into account with boards. I do ride all the boards and feel. I know what they feel like. I, I can ride a board and know right away like oh this feels good or this feels I don't like this or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's not because I'm ripping. It's yeah. just because I know what a board feels like. You know, or feel different fins and a board sure. or whatever. Um, I would ask you who your pick is for the world title this year, but obviously John John's your pick. Um, so I'll amend the question and ask sure. you who's John John's biggest contender for the world title this year. Yeah, well for sure. Jordy is, I would say, but at the same time, I mean, at this event, Jordy has a good history of doing well. I mean, it's his hometown now too. And, um, John narrowly lost to him to a couple of nights. 2014, I guess. Um, I think John could easily win this event. He he surfs so good. The waves are going to pick up too, which is everyone likes. I think not only it's funny with him. It's not just like his surfing just suits a bigger canvas. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's not that he doesn't. It's not that he doesn't rip in smaller surf. Even it's just like his surfing. The best of it comes out with more area. You know it's what I mean? Great way to describe it. Yeah, I've always felt the same way, but yeah. did not know how to word. Yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't. I've never said that, <laughs> but it makes sense. Like Toledo rips, and his surfing suits little curvy small waves. Sure. And amazingly, John's just sur- it's like it's just a it's more of a dramatic thing to me, and more like ugh, I don't know. Anyways, so that said, I think he has a really good chance to win this event. Still, always, I think he has a good chance to win every event, really. But um. And then going forward, you have Portugal, Spain, uh, France, and Portugal, and then Pipeline. And clearly, John has a huge advantage over Jordi at Pipeline, in my opinion. Totally, like unquestionably. Like day. But yeah. at least, but also, I would have said the same at Chopes last month. And he, you know what I mean. So heats can go really weird, like yeah, that. like like surfing wise, John is a superior surfer in those kind of waves, uh, no doubt about it. Yeah. But yet he lost. You know, so you never know. But but ideally. I mean, John's won France. John's won Portugal. He's never won the Pipe Masters, but he's won at Pipeline plenty of times. And, and anybody in the right mind says he's the number one pick to win Pipeline every time it's on. Exactly. So those are good odds. Jordy, though, looks like a threat, you feel. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's such a good surfer, and he's, he's, on, his, you know, he's on a high right now, which is dangerous. But I just... I feel like John is just so, he's so focused and so like, the kid's like a little monk. I mean, he's just like zenned out, you know, he's like, he's just, he's, he's just next level. So I don't know. We'll see. It's exciting times, man. Yeah. I'm excited to keep yeah, watching. It's, it's crazy. 
Um, final question for everybody interviewed is just what was the last surfboard that you rode? I rode a longboard last week or two, you, days, two days ago at Cardiff with my daughters, what? both daughters longboarding for like three hours. Yeah, super fun. What kind of, tell me about the board. Oh, it's just. Who shaped my, it? What it size? We were right here in the Arctic Foam Factory. It came from these guys. So they, um, my friend Andrew just has like, he'll design stuff on a CAD and um, they build some boards in Mexico at their factory. Yeah. And so he just had them built down there. What's the so, label on it? It just says Arctic Foam. Oh, it does? Our, yeah, it's just his own. Never even seen He has that. a really good Mexican shaper that does stuff for him. And uh, yeah, so they just have a bunch of boards at the house. We spent the whole day down at Carta. Sweet. And my, my one daughter, my 19-year-old, surfs a lot, like shortboard, longboard, whatever. And then my 14-year-old won't go surfing because her sister surfs, so she doesn't want to be like her. She likes horses. But, um, but somehow she got in the water and stayed in the water for four hours straight the other day. I got her a new wetsuit, wow. and all of a sudden she's like... She just surfed, so it was pretty cool. I got to surf with both my kids. And, wow. Um, yeah, just whatever. I'll, I, that's, I just want to go surfing. Yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> I yeah. don't care if it's a short board or a long board or whatever. Yeah, I long boarded there a week or two ago. Yeah, super fun. It's yeah. killer. Right on, dude. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks easy. for so much time. Easy. Appreciate it. Great. Thank you, John Pizel, for taking time out of your busy work schedule and uh, social obligations while you're in Southern California. I'm hugely grateful to get your voice on this ongoing conversation that we have on shaping surfing and, of course, on just this Surf Splendor podcast network at large. So thank you for that. SurfSplendorPodcast.com is where you can find everything that John and I discussed in this episode, the boards, the videos, all that sort of stuff. And then, of course, chime in on social media at Surf Splendor. Great way to keep this conversation going. Again, it's not just between John and I. We want to hear your thoughts as well. And lastly, just if you use iTunes or whatever podcast app you use, feel free to rate and review the show. That helps with our ranking in the podcast app, so it helps other people to find it. And then another way to support the show is um, we have a donation link set up on the website, and this show exists exclusively on donations. So if you could throw a couple of uh, shekels into the bucket, we would very much appreciate that. All right? That is all the pandering I have for you today. I'll be back next week with a new episode over on Spit, which exists on its own podcast feed now. So if you want to hear Scott Bass and I discuss surf news, open up your podcast app, search for the word spit, and maybe add the word surf, and you'll find it there. You can subscribe. We're doing that every other week. So check that out. All right. Until then, this is David Scales reminding you to get back in the water, share a couple of waves, and shred on.